1: Welcome back to America's Heroes Group, roundtable with partner community health outreach with Dr. DeLeon Canterbury. Today is Saturday, November 6, 2021. In four days, no wake up. It's going to be Veterans Day, November 11th. That's this Thursday. Also, November is Military Family Appreciation and Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month. The host is Cliff Kelly. My name is Sean Claiborne, your co-host, Illinois Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And also, don't forget to join America's Heroes Group now on our global live streaming Facebook. You can hear us on Facebook Live. You can see us on Facebook Live. Like and share so others will become connected. You can also listen to America's Heroes Group on the iHeartRadio app. Just search America's Heroes Group on the iHeartRadio app. You can pull us up that way. You can also watch us on digital TV, on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, and also our partner Zondra's TV Networks, that's Zondra's with a Z, Z-O-N-D-R-A, on the Roku app. And we have a great panelist again. Your, his voice might be very familiar. He's one of our partners, Dr. DeLeon Canterbury of PharmD. He's a board-certified geriatric pharmacist and the president and CEO of Geriatric, Rx Incorporated. He's going to describe for us the process of deprescribing, prescribing the deprescribing prescribing accelerator. How are you doing, Mr. Canterbury?
0: Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks so much for having me back. Pleasure to be here again.
1: My pleasure. So tell us about Deprescribing and the program Deprescribing Accelerator.
0: For sure. So I am really excited about this. So we are launching a new pilot. The whole point is to get senior care providers, caregiver advocates, as well as clinicians on board with the movement and philosophy of stopping harmful medication we are launching a 12-week accelerator where the trainings will be virtual all live and recorded for people in conjunction of having a team of people that are motivated to stop this in our senior population so this is literally getting pieces of some of my geriatric pharmacist brain in an easy to follow course that people can put into action today so this is really new really novel and something that I feel isn't talked about enough.
1: And you brought this up last time you were on the show, we had this conversation. So more than 40% of people in the United States, either 65 years of age or older, take five or more prescription medications on a regular basis, either to control or prevent Mm -hmm. diseases and symptoms and complications and so on. So tell us about what the negative effects of a thing called polypharmacy. Tell us about polypharmacy and what are the side effects and things that can come across because of that that we don't think about.
0: For sure. So, Polypharmacy is basically the increased risk of having medication side effects, medication issues that lead to poor outcomes for people who take more than five medications. So generally with each added pill, once you hit more than five, it's statistically proven to actually lead to worse outcomes and potential harm. So with that being said, we know our seniors usually have a bunch of chronic medications and chronic conditions. But what are we doing to minimize that risk? So polypharmacy is a term not saying necessarily, um, you know, you're just on a bunch of medications. It could also mean you may have different doctors running different medications. And that risk of exposure uh, means that it could really be prevented if we have someone looking at it. And so when you have one doctor or a specialist writing for another sp- uh, prescription that doesn't go well with, say, the nephrologist's recommendation, This idea of having different scripts, different meds, and no crosstalk amongst each other is what's contributing to what's called polypharmacy. And that, unfortunately, can lead to harm, especially in seniors who can have higher risks of side effects and hospitalizations because of this. So this is why it's so important to make sure that pharmacists are at the helm of helping people on a care team, and talking through some of these barriers. And this includes over-the-counter prescriptions too. So it's not just only prescriptions, but over-the-counters, herbal supplements, vitamins, food-drug interactions. All of those can kind of play into that world. So it all needs to be acknowledged and assessed thoroughly for each patient.
1: Now tell us again what are some of the symptoms or signs of a person's on a lot of medications what mm-hmm. um physically could they experience in their bodies and might say mm-hmm. you know what maybe i need to talk to somebody about this maybe because sometimes you take a medication a doctor might tell you well you might see sure. some some changes initially because you got to get used to medication but once you get used to it things uh-huh. are better but that could be you might right. have headaches you might have this or that how do you know the difference between well, right. is it just new i'm just got to get used to it or should i really be talking about somebody this might be serious
0: that's a good point. And that's a great question, because sometimes we confuse the natural process of aging with potentially some of these side effects. And it's kind of a misnomer to assume that just because someone's older that, you know, they should be tired, they should be dehydrated, they should be confused. Those are all misconceptions. And that's why you have to thoroughly look at the meds first before we start thinking about other reasons for why there may be harm in the patient's way. So some common signs and also some in health conditions are ones you want to look out for. A good example that comes up is, say, diabetes, right? We all know that high sugars can lead to problems with diabetes and potentially heart attack and stroke, but we don't talk about the harms of having low sugar. So what happens when you have someone who's on two or three anti-sugar medications and their sugar's too low? You can look for some of those signs by having someone basically being chronically fatigued. Basically having no energy, um, falling asleep randomly. Uh, I've had a patient who actually fell asleep at the wheel because their insulin was working too high. Mm. So, again, it could look like, hey, he's just tired, he's overworked or stressed. But, again, you got to start at the meds first. And if you're able to whittle that down, we can rule out the actual reason and cause. So that's a prime example of ways we can look out for this. Another one is having uh, high blood pressure. You know, this is a really high common disease that we have, particularly in African-American and Latino communities. But we don't ever stop to think what happens when your blood pressure is too low. Very similar effects. So you could take two, three, four medications for your blood pressure, and you may wonder, you know, I've been chronically uh, dehydrated. My, my lips are always chapped. My eyes are dry. You know, my skin is just very tough. I'm ashy, whatever. But these are little telltale signs that could say, hey, if you are drinking enough water and everything else is ruled out, then we got to start thinking about the medications because having low blood pressure can also cause you to pass out and potentially um, be sent to the hospital.
1: Let me ask you this because another thing that I see a lot, especially with seniors and people that are even in the military, because a lot of times you get prescribed medication, but maybe you take it the first time, it does kind of feel weird when you take it, so you stop taking it or your Mm -hmm. schedule doesn't permit for whatever reason, maybe you forget to do it, you don't take your medications when you should take your medication. So how how do we separate uh, or how does a doctor Mm -hmm. go through the process of understanding specifically as a person having bad side effects because they're not taking the medication properly or is a person Mm -hmm. over-medicated?
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. So I can't lie. A lot of this starts with just open communication. Oh, I, unfortunately, I hear it often enough. People are just given a medication without a full explanation of what to expect. So your friendly neighborhood pharmacist can do this. If you ask those questions required by law, to offer a consultation and explain how things may look.
1: Generally. Sorry, Dr. Canterbury, because it looks like you faded out a little bit. In our-
0: oh, yeah, medication. sure. I was saying um, you can actually go to your friendly local pharmacist, and they're required by law to offer a consultation about that new medication if it's brand new. So, ideally, the doctor should do this as well before they write it and give it to them. But once you pick it up, you want to at least have the doctor talk to you about what to expect what side effects may be there, um, depending on the medication. So we all know that drugs may work differently depending on what we're treating and what it's for and, of course, how it's taken. But it could be ruled out with a open conversation. So some side effects, you're right. You're going to expect them in the first week or two, and until your body gets a little more used to it, they tend to go away. But if you've been on something for months and you're kind of dealing with the same issue, and it, it could be a, something as simple as, constipation, uh, difficulty walking, brain fog, uh, maybe having chronic UTIs could be a sign. These are all little signs. So again, it does help to have a clinician on board who's making sure that's not the reason, but it starts with an open line of communication between the patient and the providers.
1: That's one thing important you touched on, brain fog. That's one of the things I think it seems like just from my experience with seniors in my life, the brain fog or cognitive impairment or or any kind of like when you Uh feel like you're dizzy or you feel like you're you're not just thinking straight. People say, oh, I just need some more coffee Uh or I just need to do this or that. But we don't look Uh at the medications. But another thing you talked about, which is connecting your pharmacist with your doctor, making sure your pharmacist and your doctor are on the same page which I don't even think about doing that. I mean, I I just assumed that my doctor sent something to the pharmacy. I've never had a conversation with my pharmacist about my medications or anything like that. How important, talk about it again, how important, how do you start that conversation? How do you get your, because I can't even see my my pharmacist and my doctor really even communicating. So how does that even, how do you even start that
0: conversation? It's a a difficult situation. Uh, Being in the retail space and working at Walgreens as a pharmacy manager, it's hard it is very hard. All of our systems are disconnected. It does take a little bit of homework on the patient's behalf, but this is exactly what I solve with my business, Geriatric. We literally focus on giving that personalized approach. We work as if we're a lawyer on retainer, pharmacist on retainer. And so with that being said, we go the extra mile and call our doctor. If need be, we go to the doctor's office. That's the power and level that we have to have in this case. So when it comes to starting that conversation, it does help to have an open line of transparency. Now, when pharmacists may be in hospital settings or outpatient clinics, they may have an easier time getting in touch with a doctor. But as you know, COVID's still here. Retail pharmacies are honestly dying. They are having a very tough time keeping pace what the vaccine demands, as well as taking the time to go the extra mile for their patients, So hmm. it does start with a dialogue. If you have a concern and you want to bring it up, start with whoever's easiest to talk to first. And usually that's your pharmacist. Usually they have the time, or at least they have the in- incentive to call on behalf of the patient to get things started.
1: Wow. Now tell us again, how do we get a, get information about the disease the prescribing accelerator program? And also, how do we get more information about R X? So give us your social media. Geriatrics, you your contacts, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you. For sure. So geriatrics, you know, we launched uh, last year in the height of COVID. You can check us out online at geriatrics.org, which is G-E-R-I-A-T-R-X.org, and that's X as in X-ray. Uh, you'll have my website there. You we can contact me directly. You'll have my personal info as well as my email which is geriatricsinc at gmail.com. Regarding our accelerator, you know, this is really a new thing. So only 12 people will be allowed max for our course, and we're looking for people who want to put this into their practice and potentially use it as an added revenue stream. So definitely follow us at geriatrics, G-E-R-I-A-T-R-X, on LinkedIn, social media, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, We are actually posting a huge social media campaign. There are tons of videos that you can find on my uh, social handles, and you'll be able to find more information about the Accelerator program that we will launch in January. But the enrollment does close November 24th. So we're trying to fill our seats now so we can take care of business come the new year.
1: So where do you see the feature? I noticed that on the even on the VA website there was a report that came out. I believe I'm not sure if it was from 2018 or a little bit uh, sooner than 2018. but there was a report that actually talked about this very same issue that even the VA is actually taken into consideration the act of overprescribing prescribing medications, people that are on more than five uh-huh. medications and things like that, looking at uh-huh. ways to try to uh, have uh-huh. veterans come back into the VA, the hospitals, and actually look at and see, okay, why are we on these medications? What are they doing? What's the progress of these medications? And also, talk right. me through the, the, the mentality the idea of, being permanently because we we think about this, we don't ever think about okay when can I get off of this medication? We start taking a medication, right. and it seems like we take it from from age fifty to the day we die. So so how do mm-hmm. we get to the point or the mentality? Is that a proper mentality to have to say I'm going to be permanently medicated or should there be a conversation yeah. about getting off of the medication?
0: Yeah, so glad you asked that. So it is it is completely a different mindset. You we have to adopt what I call a medication mindset. We have to change our whole perspective on how long we gotta be on these. Is it still appropriate? And you literally need to ask these questions basically every other couple of months. Like you need to ask this at every visit. Like, hey doc, do I really, really need this? That's the level of consistency and attitude you have to have. Because when you have an open line of communication that aligns with what the patient wants, then the doctor can actually work towards, okay, you've been saying this, let's see what we can do to slowly get you off of some things or what can we do to look at certain lifestyle changes that can reduce an unnecessary medication. So it does start with the mindset shift. And this is why this course that we're offering is to teach you the mindset shift and then give you the cheat codes on how to ask the right questions and most importantly, advocate as best as you can for what your patient wants to stop these meds Hmm. so it's doable but you don't have to be a doctor to do this you you just need someone who can show you the ropes and ask the right questions and if they don't want to work with you then it may be time for a different doctor
1: okay now let's let's switch the the, look at the from the the patient standpoint because a lot of times the, like the, I can see a lot of doctors, and I even see it with my own doctor sometimes. I mean, sometimes they might want you to get on a healthy regime, maybe eating better, or maybe working out more, things like that, lifestyle changes. Yeah. However, people are human. People don't always, you know, sometimes the people backslide, do whatever. So how sure. frustrating is it for the doctor when they they want to have these conversations with the patient, maybe about having better, healthier choices, but, you know, they don't want to give up the KFC or the McDonald's or, you know, they have to <laughs> much salt in their diet and things like that. So right. how do we get around that?
0: Well, you know, it's going to have to take some bite on the patient and some legwork. So you're right. Doctors can be frustrated when they've been saying the same thing over and over again and, Unfortunately, they're not giving the results when they give them the, the holistic way to really uh, take an end to this approach. But, you know, truthfully, we are bred in this society to have results fast and now. We want things fixed now, quickly. And that's part of the problem is your health, you know, is what you've been doing for the last 30, 40, 50 years of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to just change overnight. So with that perspective in mind. There is frustration, but our program is really meant to help those patients who want to help themselves. You can try reiterating and and honing in the same lessons, and you can't lie. There's some patients who will never listen to what you say, and they'll just do what they've been doing all their life, and that's their right. You know, we can't force that. But for those who want to take that leap and take charge of their life and be motivated to change this perspective, then that, my friend, is the way we have to do it. And we have to work with what we got, so... It is frustration, uh, frustrating, but, again, this is something that has to be a mindset shift. And if you're not willing to put in that effort and energy, then, hey, we wouldn't want this to be uh, harmful or a waste of your time either.
1: And one more time, give us the information for Jerry at Rx. How do we find out uh, see your information on YouTube or how do we see it on uh, social media?
0: Yeah, yeah. So you can follow me again. My name is Doctor Delon Canterbury. You can Google me. You will find Geriatrics Show Up. Geriatrics. The website is www. as in X-ray. dot org, and that's the same handle at Geriatrics for Instagram. Uh, for Facebook and for LinkedIn, as well as Twitter. So at Geriatrics, you can follow us. you get all the details on our deprescribing accelerator. They are at the top of all of our social media platforms. And, of course, you can contact me directly through the website as well.
1: Now, do you think that there is enough um, alternative programs out there for eating healthier living healthier doing better things with your, with your with your life as far as your health goes so for example i mean you can join a football team you could go and you know maybe start playing golf and maybe get some exercise in do you, do you yeah. think there isn't we, we put enough emphasis or, is it, or there are enough outlets out there to exist <clears throat> that can fit into the lifestyle of the average american because i always believe that one thing that I do in my career, for example, as a business person, I always looked at organization. A lot of people that I coach in, in, uh, in, my, in my private practice, organization is always a thing that a lot of people struggle with. So what I always did, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to f- spend a lot of my time trying to get organized, I just mm-hmm. figured out ways to fit organization into my life. So instead of having, mm-hmm. for example, if you got a lot of mail coming in and you don't want to spend a lot of time sorting your mail, Get, a, get something as simple as getting a shoebox, throw it by the door. So your mail comes in, it goes into the shoebox. Or if you have your tax documents come in, it's just create a, a, create a, a crate, put a, put your document in the crate. So if you so if you got to do something five years later, it's, you know exactly where it is. It's in that crate. And it beats trying mm-hmm. to uh, go through a whole attic full of papers versus one crate or one file folder that actually has that information in there. Simple things that you can do in your own life that so you don't have to change your life but just Uh figure out what things in life can you fit into your life that actually work in your life to help you live better Uh and save time. Are there enough Uh things out there for people to do that with their health?
0: I think they are there, but I still think that we don't invest enough money into those resources to make them accessible to people who just don't have that reach. So we tend to assume that, you know, I got to take out more of my personal time to get things going when we could really make some simple changes, like you said, in our routines to to hit some of our goals. But when it comes to those who are just stressed, don't have access to care, don't have access to resources, working two jobs, trying to raise a family, they can easily fall into that mindset of I'm feeling trapped and I don't know how I can do this. And they just need a little bit of help. So I think the people are there. I just believe that their voice may not be loud enough because our healthcare system doesn't really invest as much into those platforms to be forms of primary care, you know, mm-hmm. like forms of actually thinking about doing this first. And I can't quite blame the doctors and practitioners who go through school because they're taught to basically write something and treat something to, you know, hit patient goals. So again, this is a philosophy shift. This is a mindset shift, and this is a something that I feel pharmacists can take charge of. But. Again, with the right social worker, the right nutritionist, the right people in your team on your corner, you can you can hit those goals, and anything's possible. It's just we gotta change our mindset, and it starts with us.
1: And also, you touched on something, but is this is that? Am I hearing it right? That doesn't necessarily have to take a lot of money, because that's what a lot of people uh, worry about. That this is going to be a, like a lot of time. I'm going to have to invest in this. I'm going to have to go through mm-hmm. a huge learning curve. It's going to mm-hmm. cost a lot of money, but that's not, not necessarily the case.
0: Not always, no. I mean, they are federally funded programs that literally are paid to do this and to reach people who don't have access, marginalized communities. And being in the community service space, you see the the impact that these community facing organizations have and nonprofits have. So the problem is not everyone knows they're there, and so if they don't know they're there, they don't wouldn't think it's it's possible. So you know, I definitely recommend, particularly when it comes to my my vets and older patients to check in with their local area on aging uh, agency office and see what resources are available to them. Some of them can provide caregiver respite. It can provide other um, home health services. And there may be free classes nearby that you didn't even know of. And this is actually reminiscent of a patient I had who actually had no ID. They qualified for a certain uh, Medicare benefit. And with them not even knowing that and me digging into it, they were now able to get a food subsidy and basically save about 600 bucks on groceries a month just because of their condition. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know that. So again, there are just so many holes in our system that we got to kind of break through them once at a time. But I think the resources are there. It's just, again, how much do the people that need it most get it?
1: So if you could say one thing to the veteran community, and to the, to the entire uh, civilian community as well, because veterans don't, we don't stand on an island. We actually are integrated into the community. So when we talk about veterans, we're really talking mm-hmm. about everybody in the United States. So people that are sure. older, people that are, uh, that are on medications, um, what is the first thing they need to be doing right now to try to make sure that they are on the right path for health?
0: Okay. Uh, number one thing, if you're on five medications or more, Uh, you want to start asking, do I still need to be on these for the rest of my life? That's the first thing you want to start asking. The second thing is, are these medications, once you have this convo with your doctor, you to want to ask, is the risk of harm of me stopping these uh, less than the benefit that they'll give me in the long run? If there's no benefit and there's high risk, then, hey, you may be safer on the medication, right? Uh, Another approach that needs to be addressed is, thirdly, what am i doing like what am i dealing with today that's bothering me like objectively look at yourself don't just suck it up because that's what you're told to do from your past life like actually ask what's wrong with me do i have constipation every day when's the last time i had a bowel movement do i feel tired in the mornings am i dehydrated do i have confusion anything that you can think of or if a loved one can at least assess them from just talking with them, if there are any changes in them uh, functioning around the house. Are they having difficulty keeping up with bills or paying uh, paying down debts or managing a checkbook? Are they having issues doing laundry or driving around? These are also some flags of uh, potentially needing some help or assistance around the house. Not necessarily over-medicating, but it could be a sign that you may need some help. So we have to start objectively looking at what am I doing to invest in my own health? Am I eating right? Am I looking at lifestyle changes? What can I do to make, you know, allow myself to live a happier and better life down the road. But it does start with a dialogue. So ask questions, ask questions, ask questions to your provider, to your pharmacist, to your healthcare team, your social worker, and don't assume that everyone is unfortunately having your best interest because this is a very, very difficult health landscape to maneuver.
1: Dr. DeLeon Canterbury, thank you for your time. PharmD board-certified geriatric pharmacist and president and CEO of Geriat RX, thank you for being on our show.
0: Sure. Thanks so much, man. Have a great one. Thank you.